Hello, and a very warm welcome to Technology Now, a weekly show from Hewlett Packard Enterprise where we take what's happening in the world around us and explore how it's changing the way organizations are using technology. We're your hosts, Aubrey Lovell and Michael Bird, and in this episode, we're exploring the weather from storms to cold snaps. Why does weather and the way we predict it matter to organizations? We'll also be looking at AI podcasts and the future of battery tech. And we'll be looking at the books that are changing the way that you, our listeners, see the world. So if you're the kind of person who needs to know why what's going on in the world matters to your organization, then this podcast is for you. And of course, if you're enjoying it, do make sure you subscribe on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss out. Right, let's get on with the show. So Michael, you and I live across the pond from each other and we, we live in very different climates. I mean, yes. I live in Florida, you live in England, and today we are talking about the importance of weather forecasting and why it matters. And it, it really does come at an interesting time because, you know, Britain has just undergone its coldest snap in decades following its hottest summer on record. While in the U.S., I know we've had an unusually late and harsh hurricane season. So if that's not enough, a massive cold front recently plunged parts of China down to negative 50 C. That's negative 58 wow. degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So that's like the day after tomorrow, right? If you ever seen oh that movie, goodness. it's pretty crazy. <laughs> but we know that weather is a key factor in how we live and work. So extreme weather can be very disruptive to organizations, not only for your people, but for your operations and your customer experience. And I do have some facts here. So I'm going to put my glasses on. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Give me some facts. I love some facts. Okay. Here we go. So since 1980, in the U.S. alone, there have been over 340 weather events where the damage has totaled over a billion dollars. Wow. And in the last 10 years, $40 billion worth of crops have been lost to bad weather. So wow. that's around 1,000 people a year die in the U.S. alone due to extreme weather. Wow. So bottom line, weather can affect every aspect of our lives, and it's an important factor for your success in your business to consider. So I, I sort of understand the whole like weather affecting our personal lives, but why does it matter to organizations? And I guess like, why does it matter to the IT functions of organizations? So there's many reasons, right? We know that in short, if we can better predict the weather, organizations can better predict demand and drive growth while also protecting their physical assets and finding ways to be sustainable. So there's there's many layers to this, right? And if you think about data centers, think about your data centers, lots of energy use. So then you start to beg the question, you know, how can you ensure your data center leverages its location for cooling capabilities or how can you leverage more accurate insights and data to remove that strain on that compute power, but also get maximum output and get faster decision making? Or you can be thinking about your overall carbon footprint. You know, all of these different decisions and how you're, you're managing your business strategy really is influenced by weather and weather patterns. And that all ties back to the weather forecasting and why it's important. Yeah, I guess if you think about your average weather forecast, it can tell you some information, but maybe not all the information that some organizations might need. Like right. it can probably see how much rain is going to fall over the next 24 hours. Like maybe you'll give me, oh, it's a 60% chance of rain at 5 p.m., 10% chance of sunshine or something, something like that. It's the sort of thing you get in the UK. But if you want to get any more specific than that, you're a bit stuck. So I guess the, the next question is like, how do we get to that level of forecasting? 
Well, you know, it's definitely being invested in. The world of weather technology is moving so quickly and you're seeing a lot of tech companies step to the plate and say, hey, I'm going to put in my, you know, get into the forecasting arena. You look at Microsoft, right? They're using a new AI model called DeepMC, which uses elements of machine learning, deep learning, looking at historical weather data and merging it with mainstream forecasts, IoT sensors, all of these different things to predict how weather will change in a local area over a matter of hours. And they claim that in tests, these predictions were actually up to 90% accurate, which is way better than any model previously released. So how does this affect organizations around the world then? So with better technology, feeding better forecasts, you know, industries such as agriculture can use those insights to know the best times to, for example, plant and harvest their crops, right? Where they can maintain that optimum quality and also have cost savings. And then you think about some of the other industries, like off the top of my head, let's say Amazon. Amazon and the transport industry, understanding the most efficient ways and times to ship across land, sea and air, all of those packages that you're ordering on a daily basis. Or, you know, for retail, leveraging that data and the and understanding the seasons and consumer behaviors to launch a clothing collection or maybe plan out your ad campaigns. There's just so many examples, right? Um, You could even think about entertainment, the telecom industry, streaming services. That's huge, right? Being able to predict when they need to increase that capacity for all those rainy days when grandma might be binge watching of the Highlander, you know, or, you know, for example, in my case, uh, binge watching something while the hurricane passes. So, so really weather in many ways affects every industry. And it's really important thing to keep in your purview when you're planning these types of things. Yeah. I mean, I suppose like what we talked about earlier with, if you can get better forecasting, like the sort of forecasting we get on our, on our apps is takes you to a certain point and if you can get better like that's quite useful for us as consumers but I guess for business like it could basically become some sort of like competitive advantage if you can better predict what's going on so I suppose the next question then is what has changed to enable these sorts of things So I think there's a few things that we've looked at, right? Um, Number one being computing power in itself, right? Until now, minute-by-minute forecasting has really been tricky to do with the computing power available to most meteorologists. And there's three things that are changing within that. First, you know, you have the better coding and the efficiencies there. Secondly, supercomputers are getting more and more powerful. For example, HPE just released the first Exascale computer, which does exaflops of operations per second, which is actually kind of like the equivalent of the processing power of our human brain. So that's pretty incredible. Wow, yeah, that is incredible. So, you know, you, you think about the advancements in technology, it's really amazing to see. But I guess the other part of the equation is, you know, most people can't afford to even get access to an exascale computer, right? So the third change is, how is weather being privatized? And we we see that happening. You know, there's commercial companies offering these services to paying clients, and it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? There's benefits and there's drawbacks. Because historically, you know, weather forecasting has always been in the hands of national, state-owned, or at least funded scientific organizations, you know, who have shared their data freely to the public as part of the idea that, you know, this access improves everyone's lives and therefore ultimately benefits the majority. 
and that makes sense, right? You you know, going back to our agriculture example, uh, you know, with supplying weather forecast to farmers so their crops are, you know, not ruined, um, that they're optimal, you know, producing those crops, it really helps the economy and therefore everybody wins. These private companies don't have to do that, right? They're only focused on supplying that data to a few companies willing to pay out for it. So that means they don't need anywhere near as much overall computing power as some of these national, you know, forecasting um, organizations do. So the downside of this is that not everyone gets the data. So you've taken basically a big monolithic industry and kind of chopped it up into tiny parts, all of which are compartmentalized, all using their own algorithms and AI. So that really makes for an interesting combination down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess there might be some things that maybe aren't profitable to report on, but might be actually quite useful. And I suppose you then have to ask how efficient is all of this in the long run? And what happens to people who can't afford to buy into, or I guess don't even need that level of detail? Right. I mean, it's a very valid question and it's an interesting one, right? Because say, for example, if one forecast spots something the others or the public should know about, you know, should they be obliged to tell us? Uh, it could literally save lives. You know, if you think about extreme weather events, which we've been talking about a lot, even in if you think about the airline industry, right, with aircrafts and turbulence, like all of these decisions are being made in real time. And sometimes that data that, you know, can be captured in a way that can provide that additional insight on top of what's publicly known could make or break, you know, all of these decisions and, and protect people as well. So, you know, the interesting thing is when we talk about the concept of the governance, right? How do we ensure that the governance and ensuring the information is all correct? You know, there's a lot to think about in that er in arena. Yeah. So either way, super fascinating look um, at the way AI is topping up conventional wisdom, which I think is something that's super important for a lot of organizations. And that's why weather matters. Thank you, Aubrey. That was, that was super interesting. And I do hope you stay safe. Now, uh, listeners, you can find notes on the reports and the people that we've referenced this week in the show notes. It isn't the whole picture, but it'll get you started if you want to read more. Okay, so next up, it's down to you, our audience. We open the floor for you to give us your recommendations on books which have changed the way that you looked at the world, at life, and at business in the last 12 months. Now, they could be technology-based, they could have changed the way that you worked, or they could have just made you look at the world in a slightly different way. If you want to share your recommendations, there's a link in the podcast description. We'd absolutely love them. All you need to do is just record a voice note on your phone and pop it in. Okay, so this week we are joined by Bobby Ford, who is Chief Security Officer at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. The book that changed my year was Think Again by Adam Grant. So, Adam Grant is the youngest tenured professor uh, at Wharton, at the University of Pennsylvania. I mean, it's like he has just so much in here. One of the things that he says is that arrogance is ignorance plus conviction. He says that knowledge is power, but knowing what you don't know is wisdom. Like, like <laughs> that's really good, right? And the reason that it was so impactful for me is because it really challenged those of us that think that we're on the right side or the left side to really see the alternative view and to really challenge ourselves to put 
ourselves in the other or the opposing viewpoints shoes. All right, it's time for TIL, Today I Learned. It's the part of the show where we each share something amazing we've learned about the world of technology this week. And we're going to take it in turns to talk about an organization doing something that we think that you need to know about. Okay, Aubrey, I reckon you should go first. All right. Well, I've had a very interesting experience. This week, I've been exploring AI podcasts, and no, the guest was not the Terminator, so I just want to make sure that people were aware. Um, AI host podcasts (laughs) have been floating around for a year or two now, and they are definitely a novelty rather than a viable form of entertainment. The first episode of podcast.ai is you know, a bit different because it features an AI Joe Rogan interviewing an AI Steve Jobs. And it's quite weird, right? The podcast is produced by Play.ht, which is an AI voice service to showcase their machine learning talent. It's super bizarre, but very hilarious. And the more you listen to it, the AI voices listen to each other, which makes it more believable, which is kind of creepy, but also really cool. Because by that point, (laughs) it's gotten so believable, you're like forgetting that you're actually listening to an AI, right? Like that barrier where conversation becomes believable, the tones are matched, um, the AI asking the questions, you know, they're listening to the answers, they're answering them back and expanding on them. It's just those lines are being blurred. And when you can do that, I think it speaks to the volumes of what we can do with that potential opening up a whole world of customer service automation, AI-assisted workforces. I mean, just there's so many opportunities. And there's literally like an endless list of waves that that could change our world. So it's just something really fascinating. And, uh, you know, I know we have a long way to go with it, but it's really cool if you get to check it out. Okay, so uh, big news this week for people who use batteries, which is basically everyone. Now, the first zinc iron battery has passed safety testing in the US. The battery pack by Salient Energy has passed standard UL9540A. Uh, Aubrey, I know you're a big fan of that standard. Oh, yes. uh, Top (laughs) list of yours. At uh, Underwriters Laboratories, one of the biggest safety testers in the world. But why on earth should you care? Well, lithium-ion batteries that we are all used to may look pretty innocuous, but as many of you will know, 99% of the time they are perfectly safe, but they do have a one in a million failure rate. But the one time they go wrong, it is really bad news. They swell, they catch fire, they explode, and they can emit a cloud of really pretty toxic fumes not fun stuff. And it means fires can actually be really quite difficult to put out. Zinc iron batteries look to be a bit different. They don't appear to have any of those problems associated with thermal runaway. They don't emit toxic gases even when punctured, whilst basically being drop-in replacements. And they are supposed to be quite a bit cheaper to produce. So watch this space. Zinc iron batteries promise far safer energy supplies, which means less fires, which means less protection is needed, which means cheaper products. What do you think? Was that a cool story? I think it is. It's very fascinating. Both very cool stories. And you can find links to them in the podcast description if you'd like to know more. All right, we're getting towards the end of this week's show, which means it's time for This This Week in History. History. 
<laughs> a look at something in the world of business and technology which has changed our lives. And also, Michael, our singing voices. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily for the better. Anyway, this week, we are heading all the way back to 1455 Ooh. for an event that changed knowledge and learning forever. Yes, happy birthday to the Gutenberg Bible, the first mass-produced printed book. It's hard to believe that until this point, if you wanted a book, you had to wait two years for a monk to paint you one. But the Gutenberg printing press allowed anyone to publish anything, and it sparked modern learning and knowledge, political thoughts, and modern philosophy. And on that, happy birthday to the very first phone book published this week in 1878. Wow. The book covering New Haven, Connecticut, had 21 names. So it was, I guess, less of a book, more, uh, more of a postcard. Uh, anyway, next week, we are heading to 1954. Ooh. And the clue is R-O-Y-G-B-I-V. I don't think those are Roman numerals. <laughs> I think they might be initials for something. Anyway, if you know what we're talking about... Shh, 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 don't tell, don't tell. LOL. <laughs> LOL, BRB. That brings us to the end of Technology Now for this week. Next week, we'll be discussing saving energy with our very special guest, John Fry, Chief Technologist and Sustainability Expert from Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Do send your questions on sustainability and tech using the link in the podcast description and keep those suggestions coming for books that have changed your year. And until then, thank you so much for joining us. Technology Now is hosted by Aubrey Lovell and me, Michael Bird. And this episode was produced by Sam Datapoulin and Zoe Anderson with production support from Harry Morton, Alicia Kempson, Alison Paisley, Alex Podmore and Ed Everston. Technology Now is a Lower Street production for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.